Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Easter Reveal Lounge. We are your hosts today. I'm Ofma, and I'm joined with... Hello, everyone. My name is Midday. Happy Easter weekend. Happy Resurrection Monday. How was your Easter weekend, Ofma? It was great, thanks. Um, great food, company, so amazing all around. How about yourself? It was all right. I'm not going to complain um, about lockdown. Uh, you know, I'm looking forward to going back and enjoying myself outside. But, you know, what I'm looking forward to even more is Reveal Lounge today. Yes, you know, you're all in for a treat. But for those of you who haven't attended a Reveal Lounge, Midday, what can we expect? Gosh, if you've never been, you are missing out. It's just absolutely amazing. We've been doing Reveal Lounge since about 2012. Uh, I've performed a few times myself. What it is basically is uh, it's like an open mic night where you have lots of really talented artists who sing, who dance, who do spoken word. And normally we perform at bars and pubs around London, but obviously because of lockdown the last 12 months, we've been doing it online. Yeah, yeah, that sounds amazing. Um, so today we'll have a number of original pieces mixed with song and spoken word, followed by interviews with the artists as well. You guys are in for a treat. This is going to be amazing. So sit back, grab yourselves a nice snack and a drink uh, and enjoy. See you soon. Hallelujah, we adore you. We bow down, we bow down. Fumi Shitu was raised as a Muslim, but encountered Jesus in her teens through her music. She's a praise and worship leader. He's written a number of songs and, have worked, and has worked with a number of renowned gospel artists in the UK. She is also a wife and a mother. So Fumi, welcome to Reveal Lounge. Hello, thank you for having me. Thanks Fumi. Um, so you have a new song that you've released. What inspired you to, to write it? So um, basically, I've been so privileged, especially in the lockdown season. God has really been giving me songs in my dreams. And as you know, it's never really occurred that often. But in this season of lockdown, God has given me so much songs in my, in my dream. And, and Bow Down is one of the songs that God gave me. I really just saw... In the dream, I saw a choir singing the chorus of the song. It was as if I wasn't even there, but I was there at the same time. And I just saw a choir singing the song. And then I woke up and I recorded the song on my phone. And then I sang it to my husband. And I totally forgot about the song. But unknown to me, my husband sent it over to one of my producers. 
And then like four months later, I got the song back. And I was just, you know, I was amazed. And that was how the song came about. And I had to officially record it. So, yeah. Wow. That's amazing. That's fantastic. Um, Fumi, tell us about some of the challenges that you faced in the, in the music industry and, you know, how you dealt with it. I mean, um, a very common challenge that, you know, that's kind of recurring all the time is um, when you're doing gospel music, it's, it's, a, it's a genre of its own that is sort of, you know, kind of puts you in a box, should I say? Because a lot of times when you're do, doing gospel, um, gospel music, um, a lot of people are not really privileged to, to listen to those sort of songs because it's kind of like, is it church music? Is it church song? So a lot of times it's not played in so many places. But, and again, we're in that generation where um, a lot of people are moved by numbers. They want to see the numbers. And one of the things that has really helped me is to recognize that the fact that your song may not really have millions of views or millions of numbers doesn't mean that your song is not anointed. And it's, and it's, it's very particular with a lot of gospel singers. So it's, it's, you have to be intentional that when God gives you a song, um, you don't have to be so keen to see the numbers. Recognize that he's giving you a song and the message to share the song to the nation, regardless of how many people listening to the song or worshiping with the song. So it's sort of that challenges that, I mean, personally, I know that, you know, I have to really focus and not necessarily be moved by the numbers. Numbers are good. It shows that you're bearing fruit. But Jesus Christ was, you know, anointed. He, he didn't start his ministry until he was 33. But, you know, there are preparation stages that prepare you, that propel you to where God is taking you to. So he's very keen that you're not moved by the numbers and that you focus on your purpose and the call of Jesus Christ upon your life. So I think for me, that has been the challenge for getting past and recognizing your, your, your calling is one of the key things to overcome those challenges. Wow, thank you for me. That's that's very inspiring. Thanks for sharing that, and hopefully, that touches somebody who's looking to come out in the, in the uh, gospel music industry. So, thanks for me for joining us. Yes, oh, thank, thank you for having me. Yes, thank you for joining us. Thank you.
battle's not my battle. You will fight for me. Welcome to Reveal Land. Now with us we have Sam. Sam is a praise and worship leader whose songs have been influenced by his life experiences. He's married with three children. And he has written and released four albums. He has shared stage with the likes of Donald Lawrence, Emily Sandy, Mary Mary, Ron Kinoli, and Sammy Opusa, and many more. And he has appeared on the UK's national television channels, BBC, ITV, and Channel 4. Samuel's work has been praised by many artists, such as Kirk Franklin, Matt Redman, and Michelle Williams, formerly of Destiny's Child. So we welcome Sam to Reveal Lounge. Thank you for being with us, Sam. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's a privilege to be here. Great. Um, what motivated you to write the song we are about to listen to, Sam? Um, the song um, Rescue Me, the song was best out of um, a challenge, really. Because um, as, as, a, as a Christian now, but again, Christian, I wasn't always the same. I wasn't always like this. So um, obviously I went through a different journey and gave my life to God 2000 and rededicated my life to God 2002. And from there, yeah, it, it, it's, been, it's been a very good journey. But recently I went through a journey where um, I went through a challenge and it made me realize, how, wow, it was quite scary. Because I was like, well, as a Christian, um, you know, but I realized that, you know, God, I'm still in a way, I'm still in the process of being prone and being complete. And God's still taking me through sign journey. And, um, and, and that song came out from there, that like the Lord will rescue me. And I realized that before then, that was before the pandemic. And then the pandemic came, and then we all need rescue um, in different, um, in different way or another. So I, I find that that song, different people were able to relate to it in a different way. But for me personally, that song was about God rescuing me out of a situation, a challenging situation. Wow, so that leads us nicely into the next question. So tell us the highs and the lows of your musical journey and how did you overcome them? Yeah, highs and lows highs and low is when uh, I have an organization called Gospel Touch. The highs is when we, you know, when we've had the opportunity to be on the Spot Relief, BBC One show, and we had, um, we did a tribute. We were on the lineup for a tribute for Kobe Bryant in the US. We got a team down there as well, and Obama was one of the people on there. And the, those are the the heights because you see that the world God, the gifts God has given you, has been able to take you all over the world and been able to also uh, create a platform for other people to live their dreams too. And then, so those are the heights. It's just always great. I love it when we, especially when you have a vision to take us music outside the church. And you actually see yourself doing that, and that's that's always mind blowing. Mm -hmm. And um, um, the low, the low is the challenges to manage people. Yeah, you know, by working with different people because I work with group of singers, so it's it can be quite challenging. Um, you know, the low sometimes you feel ignored, you feel ignored in a way that underrated, and sometimes people always say, oh, you know, you should really focus on yourself, and sometimes. 
um, you want, you just want to feel like somebody recognizes people. Uh, you get the recognition that you feel like you deserve. But again, um, that's something that if I, maybe sometimes because I focus on that, maybe sometimes I let that get to me. So that those can be the lows of it. I'm being underrated, you know. But however, um, there's no better thing, there's no greater thing than to use your gift and to glorify God and to, you know, inspire other people and uplift other people. Um, whether through worship, whether through praise, whether through just inspiring people. Um, yeah, it's always very rewarding. Fantastic. Um, and just on that, um, that part, uh, can you tell us, I understand from your bio that you converted from Islam to Christianity and within that journey there was um, some homelessness and some trouble with the law. Can you just kind of touch on your, your story a bit for um, our listeners? Yeah, yeah, you know, trouble with the law, that's like, you know, that's, that's, uh, that's an interesting journey right, right there. And, you know, being, you know, being a Muslim and, you know, I was, well, my mom is a Muslim. She's still a Muslim, so please pray for her. And I, um, yeah, so that was, when I was young, I was like 15, 16, 17. During that time, um, she said, yeah, we have to go to mosque. You know, I grew up with Christian, but she said, yeah, well, you know. And then during that time, I was really lost. I was like, well, you know, God, which way is the direction? So... And obviously from that time I was, you know, I wasn't saved. And even though I knew God had a calling for my life, I would find myself in situations and in places where I should have found myself that ended them, that ended in jail, that almost ended me in jail. And, you know, and a lot, a lot of other challenges. But eventually one day I said, you know, enough of this. Lord, I just want to give my life to you. I want to follow you because I know if I'm with you, I don't have to worry about signing things. I don't have to worry about going to, you know, oh, am I going to get locked up? I, mean, I don't have to worry about trying to make money in a deceptive way. I don't want to have to worry about I just want to live that clean life and just, you know, just please him. And, um, and I made that decision. To be honest, from 2002 that I made that decision, my life has never been the same. You know, I've never had... Everything has been just so, you know, especially within the time when I really gave my life to God, I just had shipped things I thought I could never have done by myself. And I knew that was a divine power, that God was really with me and working with me. And he's still working with me, even though there's been other challenges. But you know what? God is always there. And I don't know where I would have been without him. Fantastic. Fantastic testimony. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much, Sam. Thank you. And we look forward to listening to your song. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Yours. You will fight for me. 
I met Giovanna in 2009 when she and her husband Daniel were in London for a year. She joined my uh, group in church and stayed with us until she and Daniel went back to Australia. Um, we've kept in touch since then. In March of last year, before the lockdown, when I was in Australia, I visited her in her home. And it was lovely to see you again, Giovanna. Um, welcome to Revel Lounge. Hi, Lola. It was great to see you. And thank you uh, so much for um, inviting me on your program today. 
Giovanna, can you please tell us about your musical background? Yeah, it's great um, to uh, yeah tell you a little bit about my background. Um, my classical background basically started when I was you know ten or twelve years old, and it was quite a you know formal training with classical music and Chopin and Beethoven, all quite uh, what would you say structured and and later on um, in my twenties um, I started to improvise. And um, I had, you know, had some great mentors, and um, I was able to really um, free up my playing in a sense, and uh, that really created me to take um, on a new, you know, uh, journey as in um, an improviser, and um, being able to play with other people um, has been a real big blessing uh, for me, and uh, just my musical journey has really expanded me to, um, yeah, to you know, to this day, in a sense, to create music and uh, to create my own compositions. You've been teaching people how to play the piano for over 20 years. Now, um, how has that been for you, especially in the lockdown? Yes, that's true. I've been uh, teaching for over 20 years. Um, uh, and it's just something that I've always wanted to do, to be a piano teacher. Um, and play music and to teach. Um, I think it's um, uh, wonderful if you can actually create a career and uh, a living from um, the things that you're really passionate about. And uh, playing music and teaching is, yeah, definitely the two core things that I love to do. Um, yeah, it has been a, a big challenge last year when everything got shut down. Uh, but, um, you know, in, in that time, I was actually able to um, finish uh, the, the my creative project which is the the Eden project um, which is um, what we're talking about today um, which is the the main piece that we're highlighting today is is actually called Eden which is track six of the eight piano pieces which I've written and as I said I was able to complete that project uh, record it and and now um, it's all coming out um, in an album form CD and uh, live streaming on Spotify and all the streaming platforms around the world, which I'm really excited to see. Giovanna, yes. tell us a bit about what inspired you to write the piece. We will watch uh, you playing in a moment, as well as the album. So it's um, inspired by uh, the Garden of Eden, um, set in the, the book of Genesis in the scriptures. and. Um, yeah, every, every single piece on this album is actually um, written um, in, in a way that um, reflects the scriptures and I paint a, a picture through sound, through my instrument uh, to tell a story. And it's, it's all instrumental music and um, this particular piece is in a sense like a prayer and um, a reflection of, of Eden, um, just a, I guess a glimpse of what I believe Eden sounds like, as in um, a place of rest. Um, uh, uh, you know, I'm sure Eden is um, a, a beautiful place of abundance and joy. Um, but I think I captured um, Eden in the sense of that it has a restful, a restful place. And um, I, in this, in this particular piece, um, it's actually dedicated to my father. Um, every single piece on this album is dedicated to someone special in my life. Um, the whole album was actually written 
over a period of two years. Um, yeah, I, um, I, 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 I think that um, this is a really inspiring uh, piece where you know you can immerse yourself, um, close your eyes, and just imagine yourself in in the Garden of Eden. My next question for you is about the challenges you faced through your music career so far, and how being a Christian, being a believer, has helped you to overcome them. Yeah, some of my um, fears um, or that I've had to overcome um, over the years is, you know, the performance anxiety that comes with um, being uh, a musician and a performer. Um, I must admit that has been a, a huge part that I've uh, have been overcome, been able to overcome. Um, and I believe this project has really um, uh, helped me to overcome those battles, actually. Um, and um, yeah, I, as I've um, been able to um, create each piece, it, I've been able to um, yeah um, meditate on God's word, and um, you know enter into that place of rest. Um, that really um, that really captures um, the sound, and um, I believe this um, project has actually. Um, uh, created the space for me to, you know, to face those fears and um, to overcome them. Is there anything else that you'd like to share with us, Giovanna? Yeah, just one thing I'd like love to add, um, just as I'm finishing, is that um, that this music I believe will, um, yeah, bring a lot of joy, healing, and um, an abundance of rest and peace. I know that um, a lot of this music I've written. Um, has actually healed me from a lot of those areas in my own life and um, I, I believe that this will also um, be a real uh, blessing to others that are listening to that. So thank you so much for having me on, the, on, the, on your uh, program today and um, I really enjoyed um, chatting with you.
I cut him open. Every whip, every strike, left him open, exposed. Flesh with its surface broken, held his senses to ransom, but he wouldn't move from his love. Anastasia is a director, writer, producer, and a poet. She currently uh, the associate director of Theatre 503 and the artistic director of Restedville Production. She directed Typical, a play and a film made about a man who died in a police custody, starring former EastEnders um, actor Richard Blackwood. Hello, Anastasia. Welcome to Reveal Lounge. Hi. <laughs> All right, Anastasia, now tell us, what inspired you to agree to direct Typical? Well, it was mainly the script, really. It was a really good script. The, the words, the rhythm, the poetic language just really jumped off the page. It was a really good script. And I got to the end of the script and I thought, oh, there's a good play. I'll consider it. But then I scrolled up to the top, which I didn't do in the beginning, and I saw that it was a true story, and that completely transformed it in my head. Because although it was a really good script, I I was you know the the fact that it's a new uh, a real story just transformed it. It just made it really clear that I need to tell the story. I need to be involved in telling the story that everyone needs to know about Christopher Older and what he went through in police custody in 1998. All right, excellent. Thank you. Um, tell us about your journey directing Tifika. So yeah, it's been quite a, a long journey and a really exciting journey. So it started in 2019 and that's when Ryan sent me the script and I read the script and then went to interview for the position of directing it. And uh, Ryan Kale Cameron, the writer, uh, is the artistic director of Nouveau Riche uh, company and uh, Nouveau Riche produced the play and then subsequently the film with Soho Theatre. So I went to interview for uh, the position of director and he picked me, thank God. And then we went through a process of presenting like a reading of it and being supported with the development of it by Tallaworth Theatre Company. And then we did a sharing there, which was really great because we saw the potential of the play. And then we went on to do some rehearsals and to continue to develop the play. And uh, it went to Edinburgh for a month. So our first run was in Edinburgh for, for four weeks. And Richard was there performing to, you know, to lots of people, but also sometimes just a few people in the audience, one or two or five people in the audience. So it was quite a grueling sort of experience for him to kind of open his eyes eyes at the beginning of the play and see only a few people sometimes but it was a really good training ground and experience to uh, you know to prepare for later runs coming on uh, coming in the future so after that month uh, in Edinburgh we went to Soho Theatre uh, in central London and we had four weeks there and there it was pretty much sold out most most nights and so it was really for audiences. And by then, Richard had really uh, got used to the play and doing it every day. And it was really in his body. So it was a really good time for the play. And, uh, and then so after that, we wanted to bring the play back in 2020. And we were in discussions thinking about how that could happen. And then COVID hit. So we couldn't bring the play in its original state again 
to the public. And so we decided what's another way that we can bring it, especially in during this time, during the pandemic with the death of George Floyd and the issue of racism being so much more in people's consciousness. Uh, how can we bring this story to the public? So we decided that film was a really good way of doing that, bringing the story to more people than uh, the theater show did. So uh, we we set about doing that and that was just as the social distancing guidelines uh, relaxed at the end of June last year. And so we had a window of time where we were able to rehearse, revive the play and then uh, and then film it. So yeah, that's that's been the journey so far. Excellent. Well, Anastasia, thank you so much for joining us today. That was amazing. Um, pleasure. All right, so we look forward to seeing you again. But today, we're going to be watching a spoken word video made by you. Thank you. I cut him open. Every whip, every strike, left him open, exposed. Flesh with its surface broken, held his senses to ransom, but he wouldn't move from his love. I cursed him with haste and called for his disgrace as my stares of hatred from a rejection of righteousness I aimed at his pain-stricken face. He wouldn't move from his love. I spat in that face. I showed my disdain. You call yourself a king? You can't even save yourself. Are you insane? Why won't you move from your love? I gambled with my comrades, divided your garments ready to parade, put you in front of the tirade of abuses and curses of the mob unknowing the price that's being paid, condemn you to death on a tree. You wouldn't move your love from me. Did I really do all those things? Did I fuse those thorns in your holy head, my king? Drive the nails into the palms of healing? Impelled you on wood and watched as you suffered with all that you were feeling? Did I pierce your side? Let blood and water flow, stare at your blood-stained body. Hear you cry out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because you wouldn't move from your love. I did it when I rejected you, when I chose the world's view, when I pursued the material and pleasure was my only desire. When I wanted to do it my way, eat the fruit that you forbade, believe that somehow I'd been shortchanged and that you didn't mean death when you stated the wages of my sinful ways. I put you on that cross and you willingly gave it up. Your life, your status, your holiness, you dare to drink that cup, all because you wouldn't move from your love. You could not move from your love. You gave so you could love me unconditionally, forgave so that I could joyfully bathe in your blood, so you could erase the acts of sin committed in bondage to darkness whilst enslaved. So I know for all eternity you will love me, you will never move from your love. is Beatrice. She has performed alongside Ron Connolly, Muiwa of the River Song, and Sonny Badu. 
Her achievements in the gospel music industry have seen her, no, seen her nominated for Best Female Artist for the African Music Awards, AGM, and the Talanta Awards in USA. So Beatrice, um, can you please tell us what has motivated you to write the song we're about to listen to? So the song you're about to listen to is called Wewe Ni Mwema, uh, translating to You Are Good. And what inspired is that um, I had this melody playing in my head for, for quite a while. And it's a chorus. It kept repeating again and again. Um, and it built up into, into a song. Um, uh, and I got to write about God's love, God's goodness, and his faithfulness and his everlasting love and it's actually reflecting on what has god has done in my life and and um and testifying of that and actually putting it in words so it's it's a melody that just dropped in me <laughs> and it kept repeating and i thought okay this is an inspiration uh and it it grew into a song Thank you. So Beatrice, tell us about the highs and the lows of um, your musical journey and how did you overcome them? I think the highs would be um, having uh, the music that I do having an impact in people's lives. And I do believe those who listen do, do get touched and get inspired. And that's the whole purpose, uh, you know, spreading the word of God through music and, and actually doing what I love to do, being in, in that element of making music and actually getting the opportunity through churches or through whatever platform that it may be, whether small or big, it just gives me satisfaction to do exactly what God has called me to do, mm. which I know it's, it's the path that he has, um, he has opened for me to do. It's such a joy. And to see the music touching people's lives and people uh, sending me messages testifying on of how the song has blessed them, the songs they listen to or in a concert. It just gives me pleasure to see that impact, people being touched. And it's not about awards, it's nothing to do with all that, but it's to do with reaching people and meeting people being met in their situations and their situation changing and being touched by the, 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 the love of God through the music. That's my high. <laughs> of yeah. course, the lows, you know, these temptations, uh, I think with every artist or even, even with any Christian or anyone, comparing ourselves with other people. I, I think it's a big challenge. If we were, we were very honest, <laughs> we, 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 we can be tempted to compare ourselves with others and think, oh, I wish I, I, I sang like that person. I wish I, I, I had those kind of awards. I wish I reached that kind of a stage. But actually, we are called to be authentic. We are called to be who, we, who God called us to be and, and to actually actualize the calling that is in us, which is very unique. It's nothing to do with anyone else. You are created special and you have a special gift that no one else has. And if you compare and try to be someone else, you will actually not fulfill what God has called you to do, which is quite authentic, authentic gift. So I have learned to overcome, uh, you know, the temptation to compare myself by uh, 
trying to be on honest with myself, to be who I am, to be authentic in, in uh, actualizing my gift, in sharing my gift. And actually, that's where the power is. That's how God works through us, mm. being ourselves. So that's, that's one of the, uh, the, the temptations, the, the challenges. I would say one of the challenges as an independent artist um, you, you know, you face challenges like finishing projects, you know, you start a project, you know, God called you to do this thing. It seems so big, you know, it's bigger than you, mm -hmm. you know, you don't have a label behind you or anyone, you know, and, and actually trusting God and walking by faith and, and, uh, to finish the projects. That's one of the big challenges, you know, the support. Uh, but actually, by walking by faith and trusting God, God is able, and He does come through, <laughs> through all those challenges. There are many challenges in the music industry. Obviously, now we are in the lockdown, you know. Mm. There, there are no venues. <laughs> mm. But we thank God for internet, for Zoom, for all this uh, technology <laughs> that we have, yeah. that we can actually uh, spread the gospel through through this platform, but the industry is still being challenged by the pandemic. Um, so yeah, we are living the challenge right now, but actually the Bible says the, the righteous shall live by faith. Mm. And, and actually this is where uh, God shows up when we face those challenges. And actually he does his thing because it's not about us. It's about God working through us. And he, if he's supposed to work through this technology, that's what we're going to do. Amen. Thank you. Thank you very much, Beatrice. That was amazing. And we're looking forward to listening to your song. Fantastic. Thank you again for joining us at Revealland and for your time this afternoon. Thank you again. Thank you for having me. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you.
is a former actor, director, and a producer. Roland Henshaw, welcome to Reveal Lounge. My name is Roland Henshaw. 32 years ago, I became a Christian. I grew up in a home where my mother took us to church virtually every week. Every Sunday, I was in church because I was made to join the choir, so I sang in the choir on Sundays. I went to choir practice Saturdays, choir practice midweek. I, I, virtually, I probably lived in, in the church. And um, I knew I went to church frequently, but the one thing that was lacking in my life was Christ. Uh, the only thing I loved and what I did professionally was I was an actor. Uh, I, I was a stage director, television director, and a producer. But I did not have any knowledge of who Jesus was. I remember one day, my friend, who is now my wife, we've been married 32 years, invited me to church. And I remember listening to the message. The pastor was preaching about Joseph and his brethren. And I remember as the message was coming to an end, I began to, I heard myself say, Lord, please don't let him do the altar call. Because I knew that was the next thing after the message, the message has come to an end. I said, Lord, please don't let him do the altar call. And immediately I heard a soft voice in my heart. And the voice said, son, this might be your last chance. And without hesitation, I jumped up and I accepted Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. And immediately it was as though someone had put their hand in and took away every burden. 
every pain I'd ever gone through. At that minute, the scripture, John 3, 16, made sense to me. John 3, 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have an everlasting life. And I realized that God had an everlasting life for me. He did not want me to perish. And so he warned me. I don't know about you. You might be there. And you might be going through challenges, struggles, pains. You, you might be making money as I was making money then, but had no peace. I had no joy. But that day, when I got up, and said, Lord, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I started a new journey. A journey of knowing who Jesus is. A journey where I walk in joy. I, I feel so much peace around me. Because I decided on that day to recognize that scripture. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. I don't know about you. You might be there. You might be listening to me. You might be listening to my story. And you might say to yourself, I want to know the same joy, the same peace that you have. And I want to say to you that you are nearer to it than you've ever been. All you need to do is just do the same thing I did on that day. When I got up and said this prayer, and I want you to say this prayer with me, if you genuinely want Jesus to be the Lord of your life. This was what I said on that day, and I'm going to pray this with you, and you can pray this after me. <clears throat> say, Lord Jesus, I know I am a sinner. Lord Jesus, I ask you to forgive me. I know and I believe that you are the son of God. I believe that you died and you rose again on the third day. I believe that you are coming again to judge the living and the dead. Lord Jesus, I ask you to please come into my life and be my Lord and Savior and make me born again. Amen. If you have genuinely said that prayer from your heart, you can call us on 0208-799-6100 or send an email to us at info at where we will be happy to answer any questions you may have or help you further your work with God. Thank you for doing that. And may the Lord continue to bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. Rosman is a worship leader. She's also, she also leads a ministry called Music Industry Fellowship, which is a platform for professionals and creatives in the UK music industry to seek Jesus. In February, her new song, Yahweh, was nominated in the UK Christian chart. Rosman, welcome to Reveal Lounge. 
Hi, thanks for having me. Pleasure to be here. Tell us a challenge or trial that you have experienced in the music industry and how you overcame it. Um, well, I wouldn't say it's a trial, but it's something that has kind of been ongoing in terms of like my journey of being a singer songwriter, artist. Um, I do quite a number of things um, alongside that. I don't do music full time, even though that's like an absolute dream of mine. But um, for me, the biggest challenge is the creativity side of it to kind of keep everything kind of coming in terms of writing songs and creating songs for projects and things like that whilst working and whilst kind of being a wife and a homemaker and all of those things. So um, I guess for me, the biggest challenge is kind of maintaining that balance and but still trying to keep that creativity going. But over the years, um, I've just learned to just grace myself and just trust God that you know, he has given me this voice, the ability to write for a reason. And like, there's no rush. Um, there's no rush when times come, when I have opportunities to write and release songs like Yahweh. Then, you know, just kind of, um, you know, take time with it and things like that. There's no rat race for me in the music industry. It's whenever God sees fit um, to, for me to allow me to release such things, that'll be great. So that's, that's the biggest challenge, but it's, it's an ongoing journey as well. All right, excellent. Um, now, this particular song, Yahweh, what inspired you to write it? Is there anything else you'd like to share about it? Yeah, so Yahweh, I actually co-wrote it with uh, Jordan, who's the musical director at KT. Um, the chorus for Yahweh actually just randomly came into my head one day while I was walking. So when I partnered with Jordan to write a song, I showed him that, and then... In terms of writing the rest of the song, I guess what inspired us was just Jesus himself, just worshipping Jesus, just for who he is, not for anything else. And kind of being inspired, um, you know, um, for his coming, really, that that kind of um, anticipation to worship him eternally, you know, when earth fades away, when all of these things fade away, like, you know, you know, we can't kind of can't wait to always be in, in, we are in his presence anyway, but that moment when everything is said and done and we're eternally with him and we're just worshiping him and joined with the angels, the song is kind of also saying that, you know, while we wait for that moment for your coming, we're just going to continue worshiping here on the earth. Um, so that's where the inspiration came from. And I'm just so grateful to God for that song. And, I'm just so happy at the outcome, the support, um, and everyone just loving it. Um, wasn't expecting it. <laughs> it's one of those songs we were just like, let's just do a song and just put it out and see what happens kind of thing. And I'm just really grateful that God is just moving it um, in the hearts of people. So. All right. Excellent. Thank you so much for joining us today, Rosemann. You're welcome. Thank you for having me again. Thank you. Lovely to see you again. Me too.
Jonathan Miller, fondly known as Jono, spent his teenage years in Kansas City, USA, learning from worship leaders such as David Rouge and Kevin Prosh. He returned to his birthplace, the United Kingdom. He's a self-taught musician and now one of the worship leaders at Kensington Temple. Jono is married to Laura and they have two young boys, Seth and Evans, and they have a lovely dog called Winnie. Yay. Jono, welcome to Reveal Lounge. <laughs> Yay. Great to, to be with you tonight, uh, both of you. And, you know, it's a pleasure to, to chat uh, and connect, catch up. Awesome. All right. So now my first question to you is this. Um, can you share with us a testimony about your musical journey? Yeah, sure. Um, so uh, just to give you a little bit of background uh, where I'm from. Um, so I was born and raised in the uh, city of Peterborough. And uh, so uh, north from here, not too far away. And um, so I was brought up in a Christian um, home, uh, loving Christian home where there was uh, a real appreciation for um, and love for music. I, I was not uh, necessarily considered the, the most musical in the family. I think that, that those credits go to my sister. I was a little bit of a, of a late starter there, but um, I, I guess my uh, journey into worship was somewhat of a, an unusual one. Um, as you, you just said just now, at a young age as a family, we moved out to live in, in Kansas City in the States, um, where uh, I also spent some of my teenage years. And it was really there where I, um, you know, remember my, my first real exposure to um, worship ministry. Uh, and the church that we were a part of there um, was where worship leaders like, like you said, David Bruce and uh, and Kevin Prosh and there were others were, were leading worship regularly and those those guys are really kind of real fathers in the worship movement um, and they were friends of the family and so and it was a time where they where they were writing you know big classic songs like show your power um, let your glory fall in this room um, I will give you all of my worship all those songs which really travel um, but at the same time, you know, I was a young guy um, who, who loved football and I couldn't wait to, to leave church and get to the football game. <laughs> um, and so sports really kind of opened up a lot of doors for me when I was in the in the States. But um, looking back and, you know, having exposure uh, to, to, to all of that as a teenager and in particular, the the, the prophetic ministry and seeing prophets in action had a lot of impact, you know, in, in my discovery of who, of who God is. It was a big eye-opener to church and, and spirituality. And so um, then, yeah, we returned back to my birthplace in the UK, to Peterborough. Uh, music still wasn't of any interest to me, really. Uh, my passion was sports. Sports was really kind of like... Uh, help create my social environment and um, and that was really what I lived for and you know that's where I saw my future going and then all of a sudden um, in my late teens um, God started to really get get my attention um, was was pulling out my heart and I remember special moments um, of experiencing you know the presence of God and a sense of his um, calling that would lead ultimately to a change of, of direction 
Long story short, I, I discovered a passion for music and worship out of nowhere. Um, almost supernatural, really, for me. I, I started learning various instruments. Um, there were friends of mine, worshippers, who started taking me under their wing and just teaching me the ropes. Um, started off with playing drums <laughs> and then guitar, and that eventually led to me you know, working up the courage to eventually lead my first ever time of worship in a home group uh, setting. And um, that's how it all really began for me. You know, I, I learned to lead worship in prayer meetings and, um, and that was the, the kickstart to my, to my journey. Yeah. Fantastic. Gosh, I think there's a little bit of a theme because in other people that we'd interviewed, they kind of had either come late to music um, or yeah, very much later, it wasn't that they had started out in their childhood. Right. So uh, it's 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 really encouraging to kind of hear your story, considering that we know your your background because you're such a, a an amazing worship leader um, at Kensington Temple, yeah. and to kind of hear your backstory, it just doesn't it doesn't really match kind of what what we would have what I thought anyway. So amazing, amazing testimony. So in terms of the three songs that we are going to hear, can you kind of give us the, the background and the reason for making those new songs? Yeah, sure. Yeah, it's really quite exciting days, really, uh, uh, at the moment for uh, for us at Kensington Temple. Um, just to give you a bit of context, you know, yeah, so with, with the, you know, with the 2020 pandemic, um, you know, we've seen how the world has all moved online, haven't we? And, um, and there's been this kind of accelerated um shift to to use digital tools to to stay connected uh, and we've all been you know adjusting to all these zoom meetings the the room has become the zoom uh, and of course the the, the the church is is no exception so attending church and you know presenting the gospel that has has moved online uh, and we're hearing of course you know that during this whole time that church attendance has rocked up um during this lockdown and and katie has been you know, just doing a marvellous job and making a special effort to, to remain engaged. Uh, I remember during our first lockdown, you know, we were all kind of adjusting to this whole idea of pre-recorded worship sets, which was really new for me uh, and took a little bit of adjusting to. But, you know, as, as we moved into um, this year, um, this new year, through, through conversation with, with uh, our senior minister, Colin, we really felt like it was a, a great time for us as a KT worship ministry to start launching out and um, you know making the most of this captive audience and and, and leveraging the opportunity to to present Jesus in new and fresh ways um, you know spreading a message of hope that people need to hear you know that God is still on the throne He's not moved and you know He is speaking uh, and He is responding to us and so. You know, we're, we're very fortunate at, at, at KT to have a very talented, you know, faithful, committed worship team. Um, and so we're, we're bringing the collective uh, gifts across the whole team and creating, you know, worship content um, and resources that will, you know, just bless the congregation and the wider uh, body of Christ. And so that's a collection of original songs um, and covers a, a great scripture. Um, that has really uh, encouraged me just recently um, is Psalm 40, uh, verse 3. Uh, in fact, I opened it up here for you and it says this. It says, he put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise 
to our God and many will see and fear and, and put their trust in the Lord. And I love this verse because it really kind of um, helps us see how worship and the harvest are so connected, you know, people coming to know Jesus. And so, so yeah, we, we've recorded our first three um, songs. Uh, and then after Doxology, we have a, um, a new song uh, that I wrote recently called Worthy. Um, and that's really just a song about the salvation message, you know, how Jesus, you know, he left the Father's throne, left that, left that place of, you know, uh, being, uh, you know, with the Father. He t- to came, came to earth to take upon a cross, poured out his life to, to you know, to reach and save um, the lost and then the chorus just you know sings out worthy is the lamb that was slain savior of the world you know the grave you overcame uh, and that's really of course you know just what the, the easter message is about isn't it you know it's just helping us to to recenter our hearts and our minds on the cross and so so that's the second one and the third one we've got rolling out will be coming out in may time and that's called yeshua um, and that's just a wonderful song of, of worship, simple worship um, uh, to the Lord. And so, yeah, so uh, we've got more to come. We're going to be uh, filming more in the next uh, four, five, six months. And so plenty of material that will be uh, there to encourage people and point people to Jesus. All right. Fantastic. Fantastic. Thank you. All right. So and then our final question is, um, can you tell us about... Uh, a trial or a challenge that you've experienced in the music industry and how you overcame it? Wow. <laughs> Questions. Um, so um, I, I think that, that you know, the, the, the times that we're, we're living in now um, have hit the music industry pretty hard. Mm. Um, COVID has impacted all of us in, in so many you know, different ways. For some, it's sadly losing loved ones. Um, mm. Some, it's been losing jobs, their livelihoods. Uh, many experiencing isolation. Mm. Um, who would have thought that we would have to spend so much time in our houses? You know, um, mm. uh, but the, you know, for the wider church, this, you know, has also been a very difficult and testing time. Not having the ability to gather um, properly. Um, and for worship teams uh, and artists, having to adjust to those changes with no congregation, no audience. Um, you know, fortunately for, for KT Worship, we've been able to stay connected and uh, been ministering to one another regularly on, on Zoom. And, and that's been really special um, because sometimes times like this can often pull us closer together. Um, but we miss, of course, you know, together that, that, that dynamic of, you know, the full congregation of you know praise and worship together and all the nations at Kensington Temple, well over 100 nations coming together, you know, worshiping, worshiping and lifting up the name of Jesus. So we're really looking forward to those days returning uh, soon. But uh, um, but with that, I'd say that with every um, challenge or every crisis, there, there comes an opportunity. Um, whilst everything feels like it's being stripped back in a way perhaps you know now this is helping generate a bigger conversation um uh, about worship you know what is our purpose you know what is our mission as worshipers what what is worship ministry um because you know god can use anything um 
to, to speak into our hearts at this time and get our attention. Um, and so whatever people are calling this time, whether it's a reset, whether it's a, a realignment or a rediscovery, um, it's important for us as a church not to write this time off, but just to discern, you know, what, what is God saying to us as, as worshipers? Have we got ears that are listening? What, what, where does God want to transition us into? Um, you know, for example, with all of our efforts, um, has worship become more about the worshipers than the one we're worshiping? Mm. Um, has it become more about the band or, or the song um, or the platform, uh, the, the, the industry, the performance, rather than, you know, Jesus Christ? Mm. And so I'm conscious just for myself, you know, that um, as we're looking, you know, we're optimistic about how things are going to uh, get much better ahead the days ahead that our, our vision must be just simply Jesus um, that that's who I think we should be looking at the most that's you know that's who we should be listening to the most but maybe we're on a journey perhaps of of coming back to our first love again and you know may God do that in the western church um, you know Psalm 27 verse 4 is a theme that Katie worship are, are really kind of looking at this month um, um, you know it, the psalmist is talking about, you know, one thing I desire, this is what I seek, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon his beauty. And so it, he's the one thing we desire. He's the one thing that we seek. He's the primary focus, not the secondary uh, object of our attention, our affections. He is the one that we're, that we're living for. And so if we can get Jesus right at the back of the throne of our hearts again, I think the future is bright and it's exciting, um, mm. you know, for, for the church. So, uh, yeah, so just a few thoughts. Amen. Right. Indeed. Thank you very much, Jonathan. Yeah. <laughs>
Wow, that was amazing. Much better than I expected. How did you find it? Yes, it was brilliant. I loved every second of it. And I'm excited that there's going to be many more reveal lounges this year as well. Yeah, so we'll do some more of this online, of course, but hopefully we're going to do some outdoors and indoors um, after lockdown, of course. So look out for announcements. We're on social media, Instagram. We'll be sending you some stuff and hopefully we see you soon. Take care. Yes, thanks for joining us and have an amazing day. Bye.
Thank you for the cross, Lord. 